Welcome to the milk bar. 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 Welcome along. Jason Forrest here with you for a very special edition of the Milk Bar podcast. We're looking back at VE Day as we celebrate VE Day 75. We'll be chatting with five people who were there at the time. They now live in the city of Wolverhampton. Some of them aren't from these parts. However, we'll hear from Cyril Plimmer, Harold Dugmore, Jim Duncan, Malcolm Astley and Edith as they tell us something of the time around VE Day 1945. Between each of these interviews, you'll hear some fantastic songs from the era performed by the Bluebird Bells. 1940s trio, you can find them on Facebook and you can actually buy their VE Day CD on both disc and as a digital download. So let's take a listen to not only those songs, but also the interviews here on The Milk Bar. At the time of the end of World War II, Cyril Plimmer was 17. We've spoken to him in the past about the Bolton Pool project, looking at aeronautics in the city. And he joins me now for a little bit of a chat uh, around VE Day and wartime. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon to you. I trust that we find you well. I'm well, thank you. And as well as can be at this age, but I live alone, but I'm not lonely. My wife died a few years ago, but I'm coping quite well. That's good. At the time of the end of hostilities in the Second World War, I suppose you'd have been uh, preparing for national service. Yes, I, I should have been, but unfortunately, when I was 16 and a half, I had a bad accident playing football on, on what is now Aldersley Stadium, which used to be Stan Pickens Farm during those days. Mm-hmm. I slipped down and, and, and dislocated my right hip which put me out of uh, out of circulation for the best part of a year. I had uh, several weeks in the old Royal Hospital in the old Harper Miller Ward being stretched with weights and pullers to get the old joint back into some sort of a position. Mm-hmm. The, by the time that VE Day come, I was out of Plaster of Paris, which was not a very pleasant time, but I was on crutches and I was... And since that time, I've lived in, until the age that I am now, 92, and I, I can still walk. And that's, that's an absolute blessing. Absolutely. The Royal Hospital, I remember, was they talk about it being full today. In those days, there were so many wounded soldiers that came from France because D-Day had been the previous June. And, and of course, the Royal, Royal Hospital was one of the leading hospitals in the in the country for orthopaedic repairs and all the terrible injuries that these soldiers uh, had had during that period of time. I'd have thought there would have been a measure of disappointment for you not being able to to join up because of your injury. There was very much a patriotic spirit around at the time. It was a wonderful time in terms of camaraderie and and, and, and the way neighbours helped each other in those days was far in, you know, it, it was a different world than, than the world we know of today. And, and I was, uh, my, my parents bought a new home in Blackburn Avenue at Claregate in 1934. And of course, they were all young families. So there was quite a crowd of us. And uh, we had lots of people of my age. Of course, when when the call-up came for doing the national service, I was declared unfit, and I've been I've been declared uh, uh, immobile ever since in terms of going to, to do my national service. We've seen loads of pictures from parties down in London celebrating VE Day, but what was it like back in Wolverhampton and the Midlands? Was it the same sort of uh, big party spirit? Yes, uh, I, I lived in, in, in Blackburn Avenue in Claregate with my parents and my sisters and I recall that we had a, a big street get-together for all the children. Tables and chairs appeared as if by magic and so did the food, jellies, blancmange and cupcakes and le- p- bottles of lemonade and, and, and we had a wonderful street party that I recall. I also recall that out of nowhere came a piano. Somebody got a piano into Blackburn Avenue and uh, the piano was a a very good pianist so we had a good old sing-song of the the tunes that were available and the 
those were in the days when the music was played and you could remember the words and remember the tunes, which is somewhat different to the to today's music, I fear. Did you have a favourite uh, of those songs at the time? Well, of course, Roll Out the Battle and, and I've Got Sixpence, Jolly Jolly Sixpence, I've Got Sixpence to Last Me All My Life, those sort of songs which I recall quite well. Remember the words even to today. And, of course, Vera Lynn, of course, was one of the leading uh, ladies at that time, of course, as you will well be aware. And mm-hmm. what, she's now 103, I believe. She is. And uh, still still going relatively strongly, I hope. <laughs> yes. But when you've mentioned the, the fact that all this food uh, started appearing, I mean, that must have been difficult to do under rations at the time. It was a mystery to me, a mystery. Of course, food rationing was quite severe, wasn't it? I, mm-hmm. I, if I recall, it was two ounces of sugar a week per person, bacon, and of course, uh, meat was rationed. Well, all, all, all the uh, all the necessary foods were rationed, of course. So I, we just managed somehow. I, I don't know. Uh, it, it's uh, it's a mystery to me, but we we all seem to be quite well. I can't ever remember being hungry. I can't ever remember being cold at home. Uh, no central heating, of course, in the house in that time. It was just um, a coal fire in, 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 the, in the lounge or the dining room, wherever we were at that time. Mm-hmm. And, of course, coal was rationed as well. But where the food came from, I've no idea. <laughs> but people were quite inventive in those days. Absolutely. And, and could... Ladies could conjure up all sorts. And, and, of course, there was no wasted food in those days. Everything was used up. We, my mother was a, an absolute magic in the kitchen. That, that's as far as I can remember. Where it came from, I have no idea. Now, of course, uh, you heard the speech from the king on the radio, and we always see that in, in films uh, depicting the time and, and the, uh, the end of hostilities and that V-Day night. Is that something that you as a family listen to? Yes, we had a radio, and uh, my, my father at that time was always very keen that we, we had silence in the room while the news was read, or any special broadcast by the King, and especially, of course, by Winston Churchill, and a lot of his famous speeches, as you are aware. So mm-hmm. the radio was a big link in those days. And we listen back and we hear the recordings of these things, and we get something of the gravity. But at the time when this is happening, and you are in a dire straits of conflict, uh, you will have been losing friends on the on the front line, people you went to school with, or uh, colleagues from working. Yes, I, I remember in in Blackburn Avenue where we lived. There were, I think I can recall, three people that I knew that were probably three or four years older than me. Uh, one was named Harry Smith. He became a, a pilot and was lost in the Mosquito Raid over Germany at, uh, uh, towards the end of the war. 40, uh, 40, yeah, about 44, I think it was late 44. So, yes, we lost several people in the avenue where, where I lived at that time, yes. And then the gravitas of, of hearing those speeches and things live, talking about the, the loss of loved ones and friends. So now we hear the words, but they had absolutely massive meaning to you back then. Oh, yes, sir. Uh, but but I, I can't recall us ever, uh, my, with my family being really concerned and worried about it. There was always that air of confidence in my family, and I think in the most people that I knew at that time. Uh, when I was when I got over this accident, and, and of course this was the war had just finished, went back to work. But during the war years, when I was doing my apprenticeship, uh, and, and I, I'd, I'd left, I left school in uh, 1942. I uh, went to the old St Peter's School in Wolverhampton and started my work. I, I had the lowly job of, as an office boy in the drawing office. So and that would be 1942, right in the middle of the war. And I ran errands and fetched the tea and made washed the teacups for about 150 draftsmen, which were in there. I can't ever remember a feeling of, of being very sad or, or being upset or concerned about the war at that time. There was always this air of confidence that was portrayed throughout. So those are my memories of it anyway. Unfortunately, yeah, we did win that war. Oh, my word, yes. VE Day was the start 
of the of the end and obviously VJ Day that followed and uh, I'm sure that was celebrated but probably probably not quite uh, as heavily as the the VE Day uh, uh, commemorations as as they took place at the time. Absolutely, little things that I, I recall about about those wartime days, particularly with rationing. I remember we lived next door to a family called Brooker, and Rosie was the was the housewife there. And I can I can I can hear Rosie Brooker saying these words now. She'd come round to the back door of where we lived, which was a semi-detached house, and she'd open the door and walk in, and she'd shout my name, Gladys, can you loan me a cup of sugar, please, till I get the rations <laughs> at the end of the week? You know, little things like that, which seemed insignificant at the time, but it showed the how people helped each other when we were short of all sorts of things in those days. So, sir, how will you be marking VE Day this year, 75 years on? Well, of course, it, it'll be quite meaningful. Uh, I've reached this age of 92, which I'm surprised I've got here. But uh, I shall look, obviously watch the television where the, a lot of the remembrance uh, days will be going on and probably talking to some of my... Uh, I've got one or two friends that are still about the same age as me. I think there's two or two or three of us left now. And I shall be talking to those about those days. Mm-hmm. Of course, we spent a lot of time together during those those days. On on on, on the actual night, I recall we had a big bonfire. Mm-hmm. Uh, we managed to find all sorts of wood from somewhere. Probably chopped down one or two trees, or <laughs> or some hedgerows which were quite prevalent um, in, in the area where I lived. And we managed to get a bunch of fireworks from somewhere. I can remember them being sold in the shops in those days. So a few rockets and a few jack-in-the-box, as they call. I think that was what they were called, if I recall correctly. Although there were sad days in many ways, there were also quite meaningful days when everybody pulled together. Let us hope, Jason, that this huge epidemic that's going on will bring us together as nations of a world. I dearly hope that that happens mm-hmm. so that we can help and love one another, which is the sole reason why we're, of course, we're on this earth. Yeah, we can we can live in hope and look forward to hopefully a, a good future after lockdown, also reminding ourselves of those sacrifices that were made to make sure we have the world that we can work in today. Oh, I was involved in the aircraft industry all of my life. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the turning point, in my opinion, was 1940 for the Battle of Britain and when the first of the few saved us. There's no question about that at all in my mind. That was a major turning point in the war, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, Cyril Plymouth, thank you for joining us. Thank you for reminiscing with us. Enjoy the VE celebrations. Absolute joy to talk with you. A pleasure. And and thank you for remembering me. And I've enjoyed speaking with you. Bye-bye. Bye. Don't sit under the apple tree with anyone else but me. Anyone else but me. Anyone else but me. No, no, no. Don't sit under the apple tree with anyone else but me. Till I come marching home. Now, Edith... Now the age of 90, uh, was born in Blockswich in May 1930 and joins me now for a chat. Hello. Hello. (laughs) So what was it like back then? Because when the war started, you were just nine years old. That's correct, yes. Yes, I I used to play in the road, in in the Plex Road in Walsall Mm -hmm. and um, I lost my mum. My father went in the army and... uh, of course, we landed in the cottage homes. Uh, from then, I went into boarded out, mm-hmm. and I wasn't very happy. I stayed there till I was 14 when I started to work. I was rather fed up, mm-hmm. wasn't very happy, and uh, I threatened to run away. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, I was taken taken to London to a Salvation Army hostel mm-hmm. in Hackney. And I was very happy there. And I got myself a job was at the Venus Pencil Factory in Hackney. Yeah. And I went from there. I think I was a bit frightened because I saw I used to see the rats and that yeah. in, in the factory. I used to chew the wood. So I went into a glass factory uh, making the bottles for the chemists, which they used in those days for the medicines. Mm-hmm. 
and the baby's bottle up. And uh, I used to be very, very happy there. I used to go out to the pictures. We used to have to be in for certain times at night in those days, you know. Mm-hmm. That was the rulings from the home where we were. And I never used to mind. Well, because if we look back, though, I mean, at the age of nine at the start of the war, we often think of kids being evacuated, but were you too old to be moved away from the Midlands? or no, did that... I, rem- I remember when I was in the Pleck Road, Warsaw, all the lorries, that was at uh, Smarks Church in Pleck Road, we were lying in the streets waving to all the soldiers on these lorries mm-hmm. going up the Pleck Road. We was waving to them because we were only young. We didn't understand. We didn't. Little did we realise as probably they didn't come back again. Mm-hmm. And my brothers, the two brothers, one went into the navy, one went into the fleet air arm, and I gave the wrong address, wrong ages. That wasn't the right age, but they went in. I remember all those days, and when we was when I was in London. When it was VE Day, we went into uh, the Mayor Street in Hackney. Mm-hmm. Uh, ever so many of us from the home was there. And we was really enjoying ourselves, singing and dancing. It was wonderful, really. <laughs> and uh, there was uh, Canadians there, Americans, our soldiers, sailors in the Air Force. And I remember there was um, Polish, Polish, Airmen, mm-hmm. I was there, and we was really enjoying ourselves. So all of the Allies were represented. Yeah, well, I suppose I was on leave. Really, it was all, all just celebrating and singing and dancing, and it was, it was lovely, really nice. And I didn't have a drink, by the way, because <laughs> I was too young. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but it was really great. It was great. Everybody was excited. It was a lovely day. And, and how did it change for you? Because obviously there was still the war in Japan ongoing afterwards. It was awful in London. Of course, when I was 15 and a half, I met my boyfriend. Mm-hmm. I got married when I was 16 and a half in St. James's Church, Hackney. Yeah. Of course, you, you, you couldn't buy houses then. It was terrible. We went into lodgings. We went, we went into a, a furnished room where you ate, drank and slept. Mm-hmm. And it was very hard. My husband worked on the building. I worked in a factory. I remember going to work in the morning. Used to go out at half past seven in the morning. And the echoes from uh, walking, from the debris, everything was all all rumbles and everything. Mm-hmm. Everything was to the ground. Everything sounded so... It echoed when you was walking in the morning. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't good. And we had our ration books and we had to queue for everything. I even paid a pound for a quarter of tea on Black Market. And, and a pound was a lot of money back then. A pound was a hell of a lot of money. Yes, it really was. I remember once we was, I was in um, Camden Town... I was walking down the town and I saw this horse and cart and it was empty. It was a coal wagon, actually. I asked him if he got any bits of coal as I could have for the fire. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I got no coal. Mm-hmm. We was heating it with a gas. Anyway, this this man said to me, he said, now he said, don't you get stuck in these, these horse and cart. He was a detective. Oh, <laughs> he started to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> It, it, you know, it, it was good. And I was there in 1947, which was the coldest winter I've ever known. Mm-hmm. And it was awful. We had to queue for everything, you know. Everything. Even potatoes. It was horrendous in London. I think it's, the, if, if I'm rightly, it's the same today, isn't it? Well, there is a lot of queuing at the moment as people socially distance in the shops. But... And it's longer now because it's two metres, isn't it? <laughs> it is. But when did you come back to, to the Midlands and to Wolverhampton? Because you've lived in the uh, the tower blocks near Molyneux uh, since they were first built. I've been in here since 1968. Mm-hmm. Yes. And had the Midlands changed much when you came back? 
I came back to Wolverhampton, mm-hmm. which I've, I've settled here since. Yeah. And um, I'm quite happy here. I lived in Northern Ireland for a while. Mm-hmm. Before I, after I, we left London, we went to Northern Ireland, which was me, me husband. My husband came from Northern Ireland. He was a lawn man. And uh, there was no work there, so we just had to come back. And we came back to the Midlands, and we've stayed here ever since. And when you think yeah. back to VE Day, what is the, the one memory you take away from it? Was there a particular song or something that, that really sparks you know, the, those fond memories? Oh, well, we were, we were singing all, all the old songs, you know. Mm-hmm. All the old, old London songs, you know. Maybe it's because I'm a Londoner and all, all the old songs. It's a long way to Tipperary and uh, everything. Edith... Thank you for joining us. Thank you for, for sharing some stories. We look forward to maybe hearing more from you in the future. Oh, thank, thank you for talking to me, Jason. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. There'll be bluebirds over The white cliffs of Dover Tomorrow Just here On V Day in Fallings Park in Wolverhampton, a young man called Malcolm Astley was just embarking on his adult life. He joins me now to tell me more about what things were like at the time. Hello, sir. Hello there. You were 17 at the time. I was 17, yes. What was it like for you uh, around that time? Was V Day something that sticks out in your mind? It's very difficult to step back 75 years and realise the circumstances and society then. And I suspect, really, at the time, 75 years ago, throughout the country, there will be very little celebration of VE Day at the time, unless you happen to be in a city or maybe a village with a tight-knit community. Mm-hmm. But I would suspect at the time, at the time, I doubt if there were very many celebrations throughout the country. With something we've come to mark uh, on special anniversaries, uh, I remember particularly in my lifetime the 50th anniversary, uh, this one the 75th, and it is you know, important for those that were there at the time, but also those who uh, have come since, to, to realise what was given up that got us to the point at which there was something to celebrate. Of course, yes. If you lived in a village, a tiny community, there almost certainly would have been celebrations. But generally, throughout the country, I suspect not. Because we didn't have the sort of size towns uh, that we have now. Well, you know, we've got communication today so much easier. I mean, at the time, very few people had a phone, mm-hmm. only occasionally one had a radio, and it's very difficult to understand the circumstances at the time 75 years ago. Yeah, so uh, what was it like uh, within your family at that point? Because I, I take it uh, you'd started work. Were you looking uh, at national service as well? Yes, I, I was at work, I was at work, and I was in... In um, national service, yes. I went to, I spent three years in Palestine. I was actually in Palestine when the mandate finished and it became Israel. So obviously there were, there were many changes going on. And as you say, communications weren't as good at the time. So what was it like for, for your family when you were out there in Palestine? Did, were you sending letters backwards and forwards? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. So we we send letters. Slow process, of course, with letters, but nevertheless, yes, we were able to communicate. I was in charge of the telephone system in Haifa. So it was, it was, it was a, I wouldn't have missed it for the world. I saw a lot of places which normally I wouldn't have seen, like Jerusalem, Bethlehem, and so on, and, and saw those under normal conditions, not tourist conditions as it is today. Yeah. Now, I know that you do a lot of work as a historian and uh, it must be interesting for you seeing other people's recollections of this time and seeing how it matches up with your own. And of course, as we've mentioned, towns uh, were a lot smaller than they were now. Wolverhampton would have been a fraction of the size as it is now. Oh, of course, of course. Indeed, yes. And it's, it's very difficult 
we, I mean, at the time of, uh, time of the day, people were so relieved that the war was over, they just sort of fell aside and left it. Mm. I mean, like, they had just no run. I mean, rationing was still on to start with. You know, food rationing was still on. Well, rationing ran for another 10 years or so, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, indeed. And so it's fairly difficult to communicate to visualise what society was like 75 years ago. And we do see a lot of uh, war films uh, surrounding the period, and they show uh, very much a, a great community spirit and, of course, uh, people working together within the armed forces. Yeah. And there still would have been an awful lot of pressure on these people uh, to do the jobs they were doing, and often with very little training. Yes, indeed, indeed, yes, yes. So what stands out for you as a, as a recollection of that time? Once the war was over, how did your life change? I don't know. It's a, it's a slow process, isn't it? And, it's, and society is, is to each individual in a way. But, I mean, on, ongoing after that, though, I mean, hostilities were over in Europe. Yeah. Uh, for many years, we yeah. still had prisoners of war yeah. coming back from uh, yeah. places like Japan. And, uh, yeah, society probably wasn't really ready for yeah, the end of hostilities in some way because there, there were some things that changed and many other things that didn't. It's so, so easy to communicate today. And it's just so, so difficult to remember that, I mean, if something happened in London at one o'clock, at three o'clock, we'll know with pictures. 75 years ago, it would have taken a fortnight mm-hmm. to get around the country. And, and newspapers playing a, a very different role to that which they do today. Yes, absolutely. When you look back in your, in your life as a historian sharing photos online, what sort of pictures stand out for you from around that period? Yeah, I took those photos because... I could see change coming, and the only way to record what it used to be like was to take a few photos, and I just took it into my mind to do that. Is there anything that uh, you look back on now and uh, you do a comparison between the way things were? No, no, I, I, I'm 91 years of age, and as you probably know, I'm a tour guide at Mosley Old Hall, mm-hmm. and, and I enjoy life. And when it comes to Mosley Old Hall, obviously that survived the war, but there was worry about you know, those sorts of uh, sites, wasn't there, at the time? There was a lot of social history lost. Yeah, it, it, it's National Trust property, of course. Mm-hmm. But yes, it survived the war. Just as a closing thought, I mean, what are your standout memories for you? If you, if you when, when people talk about VE Day and the commemorations, what does it mean to you? I think the... the, the, the um, Abandoning of rationing, once rationing finished, and you could make a choice. I think that was one, that was an important step. And it's that it's that yeah, freedom again, and, and a freedom which just just wasn't there. You couldn't choose how you wanted to live. Everybody banded together as best they could, but uh, yeah. still there were there were controls in place to make sure everybody had something. Yeah, it's it's a it's it's a, it's a totally different society today, and it's very difficult. As I say, we're so dependent on a flick of a switch to get what we want. And 75 years ago, a really day, that wasn't the case. Well, things have changed, many for the better. For now, Malcolm Astley, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. Gonna take a sentimental journey Gonna set my heart at ease Gonna take a sentimental journey Got my bag, got my reservation Spent each dime I could afford Like a child with wild anticipation Long to hear that all aboard On VE Day in 1945, Harold Dugmore was just one month away from joining up to do his national service. He's now 92 and joins me for a bit of a chat. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. So you uh, ended up on a boat on the way to Japan shortly after VE Day. Yes, off to the Far East, yes. You spent quite some time out there coming back in around the, what, 48, was it? Yes. Uh, We we got as far as uh, Malta, and they wouldn't let us in the harbour there. They kept us outside for two days Mm -hmm. before they'd let us in. And then I ended up in Egypt for two years, looking after German prisoners of war. Because, yeah, prisoners of war didn't go home very quickly at all in some cases, did they? No, there were still some there when I came back home in 48. Mm-hmm. 
and obviously yeah. uh, a troubling time for everybody. But uh, yeah. for you, what was VE Day like for you? Because you'd have had the concerns of the fact that you knew it wasn't long before you'd be joining up. But uh, equally, the fact that hostilities were coming to an end in Europe must have been something of a consolation. Yeah, it was it quite uh, pleasant, really, to know as we were going to get back to peace, peace time and have uh, plenty of food to eat, we hope. But... Mm-hmm. Uh, Russian carried on for quite a while afterwards. And what was it like in that time? Because uh, at your age, you will have uh, obviously remembered uh, a time from before the war, just about, uh, when you yes. were probably what, 8, 9, 10, uh, and then to uh, have been yeah, subjected to all that change and upheaval in your young life. That must have been a strange experience for you. It was, really, but uh, we were very... My father had his own business, which was a coal merchant, and we were quite busy. So it kept me occupied, although I wasn't old enough to work in them in, the, in them days. You still helped out with the parents because they had plenty to do during the war. Absolutely. You would continue your schoolwork during the early part of the war, but uh, what did you do as a trade? Because I take it you left school at about 14? I left school at 14, yes, and then I, I helped my father on the coal business. Mm-hmm. And after that, when I came out the forces, we I got back with my father with the coal business and haulage. And uh, the last 34 years, I did haulage for Cannon Industries in Cowsley, which we was uh, employed as haulier there, contractors. Uh-huh. What was it like with the, the way things changed after the war? Because you'll have seen the work that your dad was doing, and probably quite early when you were a kid, uh, haulage would have been done maybe with a horse and cart more so than a, a large HGV you'd have seen towards the end of your career. Well, we'd, we'd got horse and carts, and we'd also got a lorry. We had a lorry in 1936, mm-hmm. which me and my younger brother, well, my twin brother rather, we we attempted to drive it from our house down to the garage which was over a field and we managed it and the lorry number was DRF628. <laughs> uh, registrations were somewhat different back then weren't they? They were yeah <laughs> and of course you hadn't got no start you got to get out the front and, and start it up with the starting handle. And I suppose then uh, driving lessons were somewhat different as well because the, the driving test had uh, probably only recently come in? Well I, I, I can't remember what date the driving test come in, but uh, I didn't have mine till after I came out the army. But you've still been driving before then? I drove all through the war <laughs> and and through uh, my army career, tra- training other drivers to drive. <laughs> <laughs> Things have changed a little bit around there. But what, yeah. was, what was VE Day like for you? Because uh, were the parties in your street? Well... Do you know, Jason, I can't remember much about it. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but that's just one part of my memory that is gone. In itself, though, there, there must have been a, a great sense of relief, though. As, as uh... Oh, yes. I can remember people enjoying themselves in the street, but that's all. You know, anything other than that, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> what is your fondest memory from uh, around that time? What, what Was it working with your dad? Well, I was working with my dad at that time, and uh, it, it was really heavy work, although I was only a youngster. <laughs> <laughs> good times nonetheless. That's it, very good. I mean, the, the, the parents were very good, although we didn't get much to eat. We were lucky as regards some families... We did manage to get by, and we used to have our own pigs and our own hens and have our own gardens and grow our own stuff, you know. We used to get the, the local budget to slaughter them mm-hmm. because uh, I don't know what the, the licences was for it, but uh, you weren't allowed to kill them yourselves. Mm-hmm. But maybe you know, I mean, people had chickens would possibly do well, that, but when you're looking maybe- at a bigger animal, it didn't happen. My mother, I mean, she had about oh, above a hundred chickens. We used to supply all the locals with the, with eggs, <laughs> <laughs> and and that was one way of getting around the food restrictions. But uh, how did uh, they get food for the animals? Was it scraps that were left over from you, your own food? Well, I mean, all all the scraps. If you had a pig, you kept all the scraps, peelings and everything from potatoes, and you know those peelings off the potatoes and carrots and parsnips and 
uh, the odd leaves off the cabbages went, all went for food. We used to put them in the boiler and boil them up and pigs used to have them. Pigs will eat anything though, won't they? Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, after the war, things significantly changed. The UK started to get back on its feet uh, with rationing for around another 10 years. Uh, uh, was that the point at which you started to, to feel uh, happy and relaxed, though, once things like rationing had gone? Well, although we were rationed, we would, we never really, uh, what you call, unhappy. We, we used to manage quite well. Mm-hmm. We used to just, you just had to get them and live with it. And how did it work with fuel for the business, though, when you weren't able to just go and buy petrol or diesel whenever you wanted to? Well, fortunately, having a lorry, the de- the uh, petrol allowance was quite good for uh, our trade. Mm-hmm. So we were never short of petrol for that. When you, you look back at your national service and the time that you spent away, it wasn't all difficult, was it? There were some good times, too. Um, I must admit, I enjoyed my part in Egypt, but my twin brother was just the opposite. He didn't like it one bit. But uh, you both made it home safely? Well, yes. uh, We were both promoted to sergeant, so we couldn't grumble. (laughs) That's all good news. I hope you have uh, an an enjoyable time reminiscing uh, around VE Day. Hopefully it'll bring back some of those memories that uh, you've been uh, struggling to recall. But uh, still a a time to to mark the end of uh, a war that we hopefully will never see the likes of again. I hope not, Jason. It was a terrible time when the war was on, when all the bombs were dropping. I mean, I had two of my friends killed the the first, almost the first month or six months was the war when the bombs dropped in Ladymore. Mm-hmm. Harold Dugmore, thank you for joining us and sharing memories. Thank you very much. He was a famous trumpet man from our Chicago way. He had a boogie style that no one else could play. He was a top man at his craft. But then his number came up and he was gone with the draft. He's in the army now, a blowing reveille. He's the boogie woogie bugle boy at Company B. Now, one of our own at WCR was nine when VE Day happened back in 1945. It is one and only Jim Duncan. Hello, sir. Thank you. Hello. It brings back fun, fun memories, that does indeed. Well, see, I hadn't realised that you were quite that old, to be honest. I think it's because you're so sprightly and get on with so much stuff. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed for those few, few kind words. So what was it like for you back then? Because you weren't in Wolverhampton at the time. No, no. I was living in a little village called Warfield in, Bra- in Berkshire, uh, which was about 28 miles from Arch, I think, or something like that. But... Um, we went to school there. We, we'd been out there and we went to school. Um, my first experience of the war was back in 1940 when I first went to school. My mm-hmm. first day at school, my mother took me up there and the Germans had bombed it and it was flat. So that, that was it. And we'd then gone through the whole of the war. And we grew up in the war with um, people talk about isolation and this is like the war. This is nothing like the war was. We were kids. We run around everywhere. We watched the... Uh, Spitfires fly. We saw the dog flights and over the Battle of Britain, over London, and things like that. We led in the field as kids and looked up at the sky and watched it, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, all these things happened, and it went on. And when we went to school, our geography lessons, we used to have to bring the maps out of the papers where they were. So, like going up through North Africa, through Italy, coming across on D-Day and all the rest of it in '44. And um, so, like as a nine-year-old, we were going through with it. Then it came to that marvellous bit there, and it said at the end of the war, you know, my parents said, well, the war's ended, it's over, and I thought, that's fine, it's good. That was it. And on actual VE day, um, my mother and father had put me in bed, and they'd gone down the pub. <laughs> and... so, it, it, was a, it was a lot more civilised in those days. And um, <laughs> the pub was about sort of like half a mile from where we lived, and I was in bed and I heard these this banging going on, you know, there's a lot of bangs going on. And I, I thought, what's that? And I got up and got dressed, you know, a pair of shorts and a shirt and plimsolls. 
and rode me bike down to the pub. And everybody's all outside the pub, and somebody got about a handful of little tiny fireworks, <laughs> and they were letting them off. Now I'd never seen fireworks before, and I'm watching them. My mother spotted me at the edge of the queue there, and she came out and said, "What are you doing here?" I said, "I'll well, come down and see what's going on." Said they're fireworks celebrating the end of the war. So I stood there and watched it for a while, and then my mother said, "Go on, go home now and go to bed." So <laughs> I went home and went to bed, and that was it. <laughs> the next day, we we all went out and. The local farmer got his tractor. We had a tractor. I remember we had a tractor and the horse and cart. We went around everywhere and picked up all the logs and old bits of gates and everything like that. And down the wreck, we built this massive great bonfire. And then uh, two days later, we had this enormous great celebration in the wreck, but everybody in the village was there where we had this great bonfire and everything was like that. We had a big long sing-along and somebody had an accordion and played some music. And that was, that was our VE day. And we've marked this this occasion over the years, and uh, this uh, I, I suppose once it had happened, th- there wasn't really much to do and to celebrate as such each year until it became something like the tenth anniversary. And with no, rationing no, still was, on, was it was it easy to party back then? No, there, there wasn't. Well, it's sort of like the next year it was V Day, it, it didn't happen because a, a lot of the <coughs> excuse me, a lot of the local people in who were from the village or were in the army, were still in the army, you know, they were still there. And it wasn't until August that we had VJ Day, and we had VJ Day, and then the whole war in the world was over then. Although the Japanese war didn't have the same impact as the European one did to us, mm-hmm. it, it was the whole of the war was over then when we had VJ Day. And VJ celebrations were very low-key compared with the VE ones. In the actual time when we were there, mm-hmm. uh, and that, that was what happened with it. And it it wasn't until sort of like, uh, as you say, ten years on, and people sort of say, "Oh, it's ten years since the end of the war." By this time, it's the mid fifties. Things are still pretty hard. Um, it's sort of like rationing went on right up until the nineteen fifties. We were still had rations and things like that. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. The only sweets you had, you had two coupons and you went down the sweet shop with sixpence and bought some sweets and that was it. <laughs> yeah, it's not like the on-demand <laughs> stuff that you get these days, is it really? No, yeah, no. We, I mean, we, we had, there was radio uh, to it for it for us and that was it there. But uh, the, the actual uh, VE day, it was the, the bit before D-Day was the exciting bit because we, we had dozens of army uh, detachments around us, American, Canadian and everything else. The Canadians were the worst. We had some French Canadians come and stayed in the barn next to us across the field there, and they pinched half our chickens to eat because nobody had given them any food. <laughs> but when when you, you look back at, at what's happened and uh, yeah, the way in which it's been marked, obviously you've been involved in events in the city of Wolverhampton for such, such a long time. Uh, yes. And, and the, the last big celebration was the 50th anniversary 25 years ago. And uh, obviously, it is something that we've thought about since then. And I think we think more now about it because we realise the importance of, of what was done to, to give us the lives we lead now. It was, it was, so, it was in retrospect, it was so magnificent. I mean, everybody went off and they were in the Army, Navy or Air Force or something, or working in uh, certain selected trades and things like that. Uh, but it was when you look back on it in retrospect, you realise quite what a massive event it was. But the people at the time did not seem to, you know, okay, the war's over. We still had rationing. We, we still had the bits there. And uh, we, we didn't have to keep the blackouts up in those days because blackouts had sort of disappeared by about 1940 because mm-hmm. uh, we get no air raids over or anything like that. But um, it, was, uh, it was when you look back at it in retrospect and then you started looking around and there wasn't the massive death toll in the Second World War as there was in the First World War. Like in the First World War, half the village got killed, half the young men in the village were killed. But mm-hmm. um, in the Second World War, I think there was about 10 or 15 out of our village that were actually came up on Remembrance Sunday when we did that. Mm-hmm. And it- that, that, was, that was how it was looked back in retrospect. Yeah, it was very much uh, less of a hands-on war. I mean, the, the fighting in the trenches had been the the, the the signature of the First World War, the the way in which people had suffered even whilst they were fighting. Yeah, Second World War, uh, a lot of it was done in the air. And as you say, uh, air raids stopped, but it didn't mean the bombardment had stopped because you were talking doodlebugs then, weren't you? Oh, we, we had the doodlebugs come over. We had a doodlebug 
But when the very first doodlebugs come over, they weren't very accurate. They just send them over and they come over, they're aimed at London. Now, as I said, we were about 30 miles from London. We had one land in the field of, uh, it was in a, a field of wheat and the, the, it was August, sort of like July, August time. And the wheat was coming up nearly ripe. And there was, we went up there after this great bang, like all kids do. We went over to see what it was. And there's the one copper stood there and said, oh, you kids, you can't go in there. That's a bomb crater. <laughs> the whole of the field was as though you cut it off with a side, the blast of the, the bomb going off. And it was just like a great big pit in the middle of the field. And we, we said, can we have a bit of shrapnel then? So we, we then went and got ourselves a bit of shrapnel out of the thing there off the middle of the field. Just to see them fly over, <laughs> and you could see the doodle bugs, um, they come over and they, they got this engine that's like a thing popping away at the back there. Then when it stopped, you actually waited for it then to land and the big bang that came up after it, you know, and that, that was how, how we, as kids, we saw it. And I mean, we were kids, we were looking at it. We, we knew no fear sort of thing if they were going off. We'd, we'd watched all, our, all the bombers going off, the big Yanks, um, when they had their flying fortresses and the Lanks were, were taking off to go mm-hmm. up. Lancasters, you know, were taking off. You'd go and watch those take off in the afternoon. You'd go and sit there on your bike and you'd count them. And when they were doing the big bomber raids, as kids, we'd go there. And I remember counting up over a thousand one evening when they were doing the massive great bomber raids over Dresden. Mm-hmm. And all these planes were just flying overhead. And they, they couldn't have been, they weren't social distancing. They were really close together. And they were just droning over the head there. And we were kids there just sat there counting these planes, you know. And again, as a, as a child, it must have been amazing to see. And it was almost like entertainment was being laid on for you. But obviously, with the, the very serious nature of what was actually happening around you, that probably wouldn't have registered in quite the same way as it, as it would as you, if you were older. No, no, it didn't. Not to us kids. You know, we were there. Um, when, the kids, when they came down training, I had a tank come down and go in the ditch there one afternoon. Mm-hmm. They were taking the tank on the exercise. And they cut this tree out down. And they laid the tree in the ditch with the, the thinnest end under the tracks, with the thick end at the other end, and just do, drove the tank up over the tracks and back on the road. And the, the, the squad is there with us. They let us go out and sit in the tank, you know, <laughs> while they were doing it there. And they were talking about it, you know. And it, that, that was sort of things that, that was part of our kids' entertainment, you know. Part of the adventure of growing up in, in what uh, were difficult times with limitations. But if it's all you know, it's not the same as when something's taken away in many ways, isn't it? So it, it... No, we didn't we didn't know anything any different, you know. We'd known that, that there was sort of like blackout. You had no lights out at night and you got bombs at night and things like that. And then you, you saw a site... It started about 42, 43. You started getting the prisoners of war came over, the Italians and the Germans. Mm-hmm. We were always very nervous of the Germans. It was sort of like all the horror stories about the German prisoners of war, what they'd do to you if they got you so you didn't get near them. The Italians were totally different. They were very friendly. They'd talk to you. Uh, they, they didn't speak much English in those days, and we didn't speak any Italian. It's one or two <laughs> odd words, but we won't mention those because radio that we used to do that. But uh, they used to come down, they used to dig the dig the brook out and things like that to make mm-hmm. it all the walkways doing that. It's something to do with They'd have one soldier there with a gun and all these other blokes were there doing it. Uh, when I used to have the Germans there, we used to run down alongside Germans and throw stones at them, but that was another story. Mm-hmm. Probably best we don't go there. But Jim, lovely to speak <laughs> to you. Thank you for reminiscing. And what is your one takeaway from VE Day apart from, you know, is it, did you get told off the following morning when, uh, when you, you know, your mum uh, had got you back home? No, 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 no. It was all, all sort of like great celebrations. There was everything there. I mean, there was pictures of the king and queen um, up on Buck House, uh, you know, stood on the balcony there with Churchill, and Churchill was everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that was a big sign, the big victory sign. We all had that We, we all had that sign, and um, I think we had a day off from school. They closed the schools and things like that, so we didn't have those, and the, the celebrations went on, and then, then we had like the street parties where the, uh, you saw the organized street parties. We, we just had a few tables and that out there with a few sandwiches and we all stood in there and sang some songs and mm-hmm. that was it. Well, I mean, 
happy days at the end of a, a difficult time, but still not the end of uh, you know the, the, the rationing and the like. So it, the, these things went on for a while, but uh, uh, a great cause celebration and a great event to, to mark today. Jim Duncan, thank you for joining us. That's my pleasure. Thank you very much indeed. Don't know where, don't know when, but I know we'll meet again some sunny day. Keep smiling through, just like you always do. that I know Tell them I won't be long They'll be happy to know That as you saw me go I was singing this song We'll meet again Don't know where Don't know See?